This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of Ghosted, an American story, written and narrated by New York Times best-selling ghostwriter Nancy French, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. You are listening to a special mini episode of Quick to Listen, where we go beyond hashtags and hot takes to discuss a major cultural event. I'm Morgan Lee, Global Media Manager at Christian Today. Today, we are going to have a short, slow to speak episode where we basically hear the feedback that we got to an episode we did a couple months ago on critical race theory. This, in case people are interested, was episode 271, Critical Race Theory, What Christians Need to Know. And I believe that's going to be one of our most listened to episodes of the year. We heard from many of you about the type of resource that this was. I saw a lot of people sharing it on Twitter. And we also got a lot of thoughtful feedback from listeners. For those of the, you that did listen to that show, you know that Kate Shelnut, my colleague here, joined us as opposed to Ted. And so I asked Kate if she could join me to record this special episode where we could talk about some of the feedback in greater detail. So that's what we're doing here today. Kate. Hi. Thanks, everybody who listened and sent along some points and questions. And I'm looking forward to sharing them with everybody because I think there's some good points uh, people brought up here. All right, I'm going to read our first letter. This letter is from Steve. Steve writes, I listened to the podcast with D.A. Horton. I liked his concise summary of what critical and then critical race theory is based on the quote, primary voices. I liked his idea of using CRT language as a quote, missiological tool. I appreciate his wanting to stress ethnicity rather than race. That seems to move in a better direction. But he evades and your questions evade stickier issues. I realize one podcast can only do so much. Obviously, though, we can't say this is all, quote, Christians need to know. At this point, I think the fundamental difficulty, which was implied in the episode here and there, in talking about, quote, race and, quote, justice and, quote, CRT, primarily rhetorical and theological secondarily, the grammar of CRT simply will not carry. My point is, I don't think there is an effective rhetorical set yet that's still being built. Steve. All right. Thank you, Steve, for your letter. Kate, do you have any thoughts? I think what he's talking about, and which was a, a tension that came up with talking with DA, was that people don't always have the same language when when they're talking about CRT and, and these related concepts. So it's hard to know where the disagreements lie and whether people are just talking past each other and really saying the same thing, or if there's actual like fundamental deeper differences. So this idea of not having effective rhetoric around it, I think is a good point to make. And hopefully conversations like this can move in that direction, even if he doesn't feel like we we struck it quite yet. I, I hope it would allow for the kind of understanding that those conversations can happen and we would be more on the same page to parse deeper down the line. All right. Yeah, I think that's a good word. You want to read the next letter? Sure. This letter is from Rodney. He says, Hey, CT, I felt like the moderator, I think this was me, me inserting. I felt like the moderator asked the exact right question near the end, 
regarding what concerns do well-intentioned Christians have in exploring this topic? That really was the, come on, yeah, now you've said there are non-core claims tied to CRT to be investigated and parsed out. Well, what are they? Or what do some CRT advocates claim are CRT but are either not fairly CRT or not core CRT? He says the special guest DA did not fairly offer that information and CT didn't step in to add it or add commentary at the end. I felt like that was a miss. Would love if you revisited there to truly round it out. Well, thank you, Rodney, for your letter. Kate, what prompted you to ask that question? Yeah, I think that that is an area we can and hopefully will explore more in CT's coverage in general. This idea that I think there are people who are using CRT as a signal of something else or using it for a different purpose. I also think there's this group that have legitimate questions or concerns about elements of CRT that they're trying to ask in a nuanced way. And I think we have to recognize it can be hard to tell when people are raising concerns. Okay, what is their harder motivation here? And are they going to be a good faith dialogue partner or not? Yeah, and I think... It's really going to vary a lot of times by how much the guest or how about this, how much the expert is online, right? It, it can be very hard when you're online to know if the people who are engaging with your ideas by disagreeing with them are doing so in a good faith. I'm truly confused. I'm being utterly sincere type of thing. Or as I'm sure many people who are, end up sharing ideas online have dealt with their fair share of people who it felt like they were not actually asking in good faith a particular question. From what I recall, DAs was a little bit tired of dealing with people that he felt like were asking in bad faith. And as a result, I think that our question maybe didn't elicit as much of a deep response as it should have, because this is one of the heart of the claims, I think, is weariness from those who don't have the same type of visceral reaction towards CRT, um, this weariness to engage people that they feel like maybe trolling them in some way. All right, I'll take this next question. This letter is from Keith. Keith says, thank you for providing the July 2nd episode that engaged in the issue of, quote, critical race theory. I've not personally done much study of this theory, but have been perplexed by the discourse between those who are promoting it and those who oppose it. As an older 60-plus white evangelical Christian male who grew up in the Midwest, I observe much of today's race-based angst with alarm and confusion as I agree that there are legitimate issues of racism that people of color have been subjected to since the inception of our country. I cannot, I guess, truly understand the frustration that exists among the group of people to the slow pace of improvement in the issues of inequality that may be baked into our culture and governance. But the reactions of late, the creation of BLM, Antifa, CRT, seem to be either intentionally divisive or being carried away by extremists. So as I try to understand CRT in particular, I'm concerned that while the intent may have been to identify what the systemic racist components of our society are, there appear to be aspects that I regard as harm. I believe the core issue is the sinfulness of man and that without addressing that, we are simply addressing symptoms rather than a cause. But given that approach may come across as attempting to sweep the issue aside or marginalize the realities of racism in our country, I do want to have a reason-based dialogue with my brothers of color. So D.A. Horton's perspectives were very helpful. One thing that I appreciate about Keith's letter is that I feel like he's trying to take into account what might be going on with him when he gets frustrated with things. And I do think that sometimes 
when these conversations are being had, there is not necessarily an inquisitiveness towards what's happening internally with the arguments that we're talking about. I think that some of the ways that I've engaged with different ideas that I've heard from racial justice advocates over the years has been through them talking about how much these arguments are very much tied to their ability to survive and to make their way in the spaces that they're in and to do so without, you know, having to exit them or to leave to make make sense of everything that they are working through and going through. I don't necessarily think that that is something that is always shown empathy by people who feel like these ideas are trolling us. These ideas are trying to make life difficult for us, that there's not necessarily a sense of like, oh, this is why I may be feeling about this idea in this type of way. So I appreciate Keith feeling that type of sense. I will say that as far as Keith, when you mention, you talk about like the reactions of late and you mentioned Black Lives Matter and TIFA and CRT. I, I definitely think it would be worth spending time learning the history, the backstory of all of these different types of movements and worth doing your best to not group them all together since they all come with their own unique history and rationale and explanatory power for why they exist and what issues they're trying to solve. This one's from Bruce. Bruce wrote, What I see on this topic is people getting hung up on word games. Whenever the conservative side hears the words critical race theory, they look at the academic things that have been published and see some of the things that are not in sync with scripture or the gospel. When the average person or people who are not conservatives or fundamentalists see the words, they see there are things in the legal system, policing policies, economic policies that put some groups of people at a disadvantage, and that needs to be changed. I think that he gets at in his letter some of the rhetorical stuff that an earlier letter writer got to, and then also talking about sensing a dynamic between implications for us as Christians and maybe within the church versus implications for society and how those things relate, you know, kind of where the the critical part of critical race theory is addressed and kind of what that means for us. If this is a theory that's mainly targeted and began as a legal theory, what are the implications for Christians even at all in something like that? All right. This letter's from George. Thanks for this interview. It was helpful, especially in regards to how concepts long accepted can be relabeled and seen as original ideas. I also appreciated Dr. Horton's firm commitment to evangelical truth and his willingness to continue to stand for truth and dialogue within the fellowship of believers. In regards to his comments on, quote, colorblindness, it is true that while none of us can honestly claim this attribute, surely it remains a goal, as it did for MLK. Horton seems to dismiss it even as an ideal. It's hard to imagine what then should replace it. Which brings me to my major point. In discussing what, quote, critical theory is, Horton rightly mentions that some sort of practical application is called for. Because this is precisely where many Christians are struggling with CRT, I was very disappointed that this element was completely ignored in this conversation. If CRT offers a path to racial healing, I need help in seeing what it is. What is its practical application? George, thank you for this letter. I wanted to comment really quickly about this idea of colorblindness I know that 
colorblindness is something that there's a number of people of color who feel very strongly that this is not actually a goal that should be pursued. And part of the reason is, is I think that people want to be acknowledged and to not have this seen as something that must be overcome or overlooked, you know, a fundamental attribute about them to just kind of be hit in the background in order to see them fully. Colorblindness in some ways can, although there's a strong good intention in them, seem almost trying to be dismissive in many ways about the ways that race and to some extent ethnicity have affected this person and how it shapes their experience in the world. So it is less of a sense of, I don't want to treat everyone the same way, but people will internalize it and hear it as you want to pretend that our experiences are all the same and you want to flatten how you interact with me. And I'm sure there are other people who are listening to this right now who may have even more in-depth and nuanced takes on why the colorblindness goal can have things about it that are harmful, but that's what I would add to that. As far as the practical application part, I would agree. I think that's something that we can consider getting into on a further episode. And that is at some point for some where the rubber meets the road. Though I will say that I, I do think that some of the challenges per our earlier letters end up being a lot around rhetoric and less around what the practical application looks like. Okay. And I'll read the next one. This one is from Don. Hi, I just listened to this and my takeaway is that DA Horton gives a great account and commentary about a number of the trees, but there's part of the forest that he's missed. In my view, CRT is only the issue of the day. There's a group in our society and in churches that has a goal to win a culture war through bullying and disinformation. Disinformation wars use a lot of tools, but none of them are facts, theology, or academic study. Some of those lining up against CRT are just out to win, separate us into two sides, motivate their side, and win. Today it's CRT, tomorrow it'll be another issue, similar to the way wars move from battle to battle, although CRT is a good one for them because it brings in the part of the far right that are actual racists. Against these weapons, we'll need the power of the gospel and maybe the facts. Theology and academic talk will help, but they won't do the job alone. It seems like Don's response has to do with sensing a great urgency or significance to this conversation and seeing it as part of a bigger fight over disinformation, over the truth that the church is confronted with right now. And it seems like he feels the real weight of how to do that, especially with like the political divides that are going on right now. Yeah. And I've also seen commentary that's asking if people have an issue with CRT or American history itself. And if it's if CRT is just a way that we're expressing our inability to talk about American history, the challenges that we have about teaching it and understanding it and interpreting it, and then the, the practical stuff, American history slash history in general, those discussions are definitely not going to go away anytime soon because history informs so much of how we move and act in the world. And I definitely expect them to continue to, at the very least, animate stuff in the years to come. All right, here is a letter from Carl. 
Dear Morgan, Kate, and DA, thank you for the fantastic discussion regarding CRT and how we as Christians can respond to this topic. The definitions and history DA provided were the most clear I have yet to hear on these matters and will provide me with a great resource for reflection going forward. I appreciated the emphasis on looking at these issues through a biblical lens with openness rather than with fear and assumption. Thank you, Carl. Yeah, great to hear that. I think that's the kind of best case scenario is is people feel like there was some clarity, there was some helpfulness, there were some things to keep in mind as these issues keep coming up in their lives. All right. And our last letter is from Stanley and he writes, Friday's quick to listen with DA Horton was very interesting. He had some wise words and provided some good clarification, but I was a bit disappointed. Christians concerned about CRT, it seems to me, in the main are not scholars trying to subject the theory to a scholarly critique, but rather people out in life concerned about ideas being taught to their children in public schools, ideas being pressed on themselves via certain kinds of diversity training in a business or a government office. It would have been good to hear D.A. Horton talk about CRT as a social phenomenon affecting so many sectors of society today, even if much of what is being labeled CRT is not strictly speaking what its originators had in mind. How should this culturally powerful moment be evaluated? What should Christians say and do in response? Further, I was disappointed with his discussion about whether or not CRT is a worldview or a religion. He drew important distinctions, but maybe missed the forest. Right after listening to Quick to Listen, I encountered another article, and this he links an article called Standing Up to Social Justice Bombs Within the Jewish Community, a Black and Jewish Diversity. I linked an article in which a Jewish leader discusses how, in his view, CRT in life has a religious depth, extent, and fervor. I think it's the kind of thing discussed in this article that is great concern to many with whom express concerns about CRT. I think that he's right to talk about the ways that people are actually encountering CRT are not going to be necessarily in classrooms like Horton's, where he's teaching Christian students about scholarly, you know, engagement with ideas. And and it is happening in seminaries, but it is this idea of will this be coming through in our public schools for our kids and in our own offices and, and people who are concerned about CRT have these alerts up, not as the scholarly idea, but what the implications are going to be for them and their thinking in day-to-day life. So I think that's a good point to make. What do you think, Morgan? So I think we have a couple options when we do a podcast like this. One of them is to try to delve deeper into the actual like buzzword, like the term, right? Like how much do we need to like talk about what the term is? And then as in many of the instances, it seems very clear. I think Stanley would agree with this, that there is the specific term. And then there's like what the term has looked like as it's kind of been reinterpreted out in the broader world. And I think that's one place where I imagine it might be helpful for us to do a larger podcast is precisely in this space. What is happening in that space where CRT has become somewhat of a catch-all? And I do think this is partially where we're probably going to lose our ability to have even less common language to describe exactly what is going on and what is happening. Some people might use the term, for instance, like cancel culture, right? I think that might come up some. I hear Stanley's letter talking about CRT as a worldview or religion, which is an argument that I've seen come up in some things that I'm reading. And when people begin to describe it as a worldview or a religion, they really start to 
talk very little about the actual theory or the theorists who came up with these types of arguments and talk instead more about how they see people practicing, in their views, very stridently and fervently practical applications about what racial justice should look like in this world, how it should be practiced and how different social interactions should exist with each other. I do think maybe there's space to talk about, you know, what does racial justice for Christians, what does racial justice look like in the world? How does, how does one pursue it well? How does one know if there is an extent to which it is being pursued in a way that is antithetical to pursuing Christian faith? But I really think that this podcast and what I find good about it, though, is that I hope it takes away some of the visceral reactions that people will just have to the term CRT in general. I think that many people will agree that CRT has become a place where people will lob that word past each other without actually defining definitions and understanding history. And I think if we're going to get to the second part, which is talking about kind of like the larger conversation around race and racial justice in society, we can't have that conversation without first defining the history and context of CRT, at least based on where we are in 2021. Is there anything else you'd add? My assumption is that you and Ted and the Quick to Listen crew, this will not be the first and last time that this comes up and that I think it's going to be a factor and a point that is part of where people are going to be speaking about racial, you know, differences in approach to race and even in cultural conflict in general, that this isn't an issue that has blipped and gone away. But I think that there's going to be some lasting ramifications to people's differing understandings and differing concerns. So we can expect to kind of keep an ear to the ground about it and, and hopefully keep looking for thoughtful ways to engage in the future. I want to just say some overall feedback, I guess, to have this commentary, which is one, you know, for such a hot topic that we discussed on the show, I want to just thank everyone who had disagreements for so eloquently and kindly expressing your feedback. I know sometimes when we're having these types of, yeah, just intense discussions, that is not our gut reaction. So I appreciate the quality of the letters that have come in. I was also a little surprised that I don't think I received a single email from a woman. And I found that interesting. I just wanted to note that that's not true for a lot of the responses that we get on Slow to Speak. But on this topic, I was surprised that we didn't hear from any. Yeah, I just want to thank everyone for listening to the show and engaging us in this particular way. It really means a lot for you guys to send these emails and to share with us where you're at. As I always give this out, send us an email. We're at podcast at christianitytoday.com, podcast at christianitytoday.com. Send us emails. We really thankful to Kate for joining us today. So thank you so much, Kate, for making time out of your schedule to read these letters with us and discuss them. And for everyone else, we will see you on the next episode of Quick to Listen. Bye.
This episode is brought to you in part by Ministry Pivot with Russell St. Bernard. This podcast features important conversations with industry leaders such as Nona Jones, Bishop Walter Scott Thomas, Reverend Dr. Nicole Martin, and so many more. Visit ministrypivot.com or on all streaming platforms.